Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President Stacy Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacy's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. Now back to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3 FM. Happy Saturday. Welcome to uh, the Marketing Mad Men. Trip Job here with Double Trouble today. <laughs> my business partner, Darren Rand, and his, um, I think, more intelligent, uh, oh, younger, you really and better-looking better uh, yeah. brother, Jeb, with us today. So, uh, Double Trouble, we got the Rand boys. I can't believe it. <laughs> what did you pay him to do that? Uh, nothing. It's just the truth. The truth there. Uh, yeah. truth hurts. <laughs> no, we've, uh, I've uh, gotten to know Jeb a little bit uh, you know, through the last couple of years working with Darren, and it's a treat to have uh, Jeb today. And we're going to talk a lot of topics um, from event marketing, content-driven marketing we may tap into the olympics which is wrapping up uh this weekend as well with some of jeb's background but why don't we start out tell us a little bit about uh your background you don't have to get into darren's stories but uh tell us a little bit about how you uh got into doing what you do today sure well uh i trained here in atlanta as a young kid in figure skating and i was lucky enough to make the national team and um uh, skated with the Ice Capades, um, and eventually was on Broadway with uh, the Rockettes up in Radio City with my uh, then partner, now wife. And so, uh, back he hit her over the head, by the way, to make sure she <laughs> that he married her. <laughs> he didn't tell you he skated too, but didn't last long. But uh, anyway, we, um, we we had a pretty successful career, and um, uh, I was always interested in the marketing side. You know, why why people actually came to Ice Capades? Why why does Radio City Music Hall and the Rockettes have such a brand? For some reason, it was just interesting. To me, and um, along the way, uh, Ice Capades actually went bankrupt, uh, and I was able to buy most of the assets of Ice Capades. And I was like, "Well, what the hell am I going to do with them now?" And uh, so I decided to make my own ice shows. And so I started in the ice show world, um, and then quickly kind of branched out into more entertainment because I didn't want to just do ice skating. And uh, so from that, um, you know, I, I developed clients. Uh, sea World is a client of mine. I've done I've done stuff with Sea World, and um, I've done a lot of stuff with. Um, uh, World Choice Investments is a Dolly Parton uh, invested company, yep. and um, MGM is actually my largest client. So when I write shows and do shows for them, we kind of start ironically from an entertainment slash marketing position. You know, so what is the show about? Who are we speaking to? Which is their demographic, and uh, the content within the show needs to obviously connect with the audience as well. So that's kind of how Darren's life and my life have uh, kind of been on this trajectory of uh, getting closer and closer. It's interesting, you know. Yeah, he's my little brother. He's a pain in the rear end, but he's pretty darn talented, too. But the things you've, that I've watched him do all over the world, whether it's Japan, whether it's in the Middle East, I mean, the, the different audiences, what we talk about, Jeb, all the time, is the, the necessity to create content for the audience to whom you are entertaining. And, and 
And that's one of the things I think that, you know, I think people don't understand at all is what it takes to put really good content out there. I mean, you being in the Middle East is very different than what you do in Japan, is very different than you do here. So talk a little bit about, you know, your his, his clients are actually the marketing executives at these companies. Yeah, no, and, and I often, when we start on the journey together, no matter if it's a one-off or um, I actually did the opening um, rink in Torino for the Olympics when they reopened the rink um, or built the rink and, and, and launched it. But um, you'll talk to them as far as what they want from an entertainment perspective. But immediately after that conversation is the CMO or the marketing arm of whoever you're talking to. And they're saying, well, you know, this should be sure if we do that. Uh, a, here is who we're talking to. And very specific, it being 18 to 45-year-old, you know, females of a middle-class socioeconomic, you know, group. Uh, they they are have spending habits like this. This is what they do. And so that conversation is the same. If I, as Darren mentioned, I've been in Saudi Arabia. I've been in Beirut several times. Um, and then I've been in, you know, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, and, and Branson, so in New York. So, uh, But the conversation is um, interestingly and not surprisingly, but interestingly, the, the same being that what is the show about and then who are we speaking to? So when I write the show and I produce the show, um, those uh, those two topics are, uh, again, always getting closer and closer. Yeah, and, and to really tell a story or weave a story, which is what you're doing, you have to understand exactly what uh, Jeb's talking about is, the you know, what are the demographics and what are you trying to accomplish? Yeah, and it's interesting, um, uh, even in Hollywood today, and, and there's so much content that uh, – you know, through YouTube and, and uh, all these influencers, it's it's funny if they just had a marketing arm behind them, they'd be even be more successful because sometimes they have a great concept, uh, but they don't really know who they're speaking to. So they're out there just, you know, spit firing. So I, I call it like a, like a, uh, a shotgun approach. So they, they just spraying fire out there and they may hit some of their demographic because it's, it's a shotgun approach, but how much are they missing? And if they just be more focused on knowing who they're talking to and what their what their audience wants to hear, uh, I'm not saying change your concept. I'm just saying be sure you're speaking the same language. If if you came up with a great show, um, that'd be a perfect example. I use this anime anime all the time. So most mm-hmm. anime is made in Korea and, and Japan, and then we dub it here in our country. Or they dub it there, right. and uh, you can't tell because you know lip syncing is different when you're having anime animation. But the funny thing, as I said, but you wouldn't send over a product from Japan and play it in the United States in Japanese. So why the hell would you create a show and then not connect and not speak to the people who are in the audience? And that's what happens all the time, sadly. Yeah, wow. It's amazing. So, you know, just some of the ones that I know you're working on. You know, think about how the the show, the MGM show, has changed over the last, how long, 10 years, I guess? Yeah, this, I just completed my 10th year with them. And uh, again, the demographics down there um, at one of the, the properties where I work um, has changed. And, and with the change of the demographics changed the said content and the message of the content and the, and the content within, within the, the show. Mm-hmm. So um, the irony is, um, and I don't, we never pull the wool over anyone's eyes. We're not, we're not uh, doing any sort of little subliminal marketing or I remember back in the seventies and eighties, uh, certain uh, cola companies, no names mentioned would uh, get in trouble because in 24 frames per second in a feature film, they take four or five or six of those frames and put a delicious beverage on there, and somehow you just got this sudden urge to go get the beverage. That that's not that's or not the true. smell of the popcorn as you walk in the door. Go yeah, figure. Yeah, yeah right. Know, I'm trying to remember the when I took my kids to the uh, maybe it was the ice capage, you know, and the little uh, pink hippo was pushing some big soda bottle across the ice well, the, or the, something. That was that was that was Darren in his pink dress that he was pushing out. But that's, that's, that's beside the point. But uh, yeah, no, but. Uh, it all goes back down to you, you know, we're not doing anything. I, I I don't sell my soul to the devil. I I truly believe I'm the last Clark Griswold. I do you know fun family 
content most of the time and and it's um it's very feel good sort of stuff but at the end of the day if people don't relate to what i'm creating mm-hmm. um you know it's not good it's funny darren knows i i've had a relationship uh, uh i'll be from a bit of a distance with um adam sandler when i was uh in new york for several years uh, adam was at um uh, saturday night live and he wasn't really big well he's big but not not as big as he is now not a big movie star and adam sandler um you know it's funny until he did this one movie a couple of years ago, he knows his lane, and his his lane is making silly bathroom sort of comedy, and he knew it from the start, and that is his lane. And, and the funny thing is, and he knows his audience, but people around him in Hollywood, and you know, they'll they'll bash it. He'll, you know, on Rotten Tomatoes, he gets negative negative tomatoes. I mean, you know, yeah. so and it's funny, but he knows his audience. He knows how to speak to his audience, and he's been incredibly successful knowing his audience, knowing how to create content for his audience, and knowing how to speak to his audience. And you know what the net result is? incredible success he, we talked about this last week in our show last week with with tug and rhino yeah. about consistency and and that is what you've just said we talked about this last week about the consistency of brands and how if you'd stick with it again if you're smart you stick with it and, and segmentation that's a, and, and the, the reality is when we get it with clients all the time is would you rather have you know one percent of the whole audience and run you know one percent total or would you rather take 10% of the audience and own 50% of that group and you have 5%, right? Well, and yeah. it's it's Adam Sandler's knowing, I'm only going after 10% of the whole, but God, I'm going to own 50 to 60% of Absolutely. this group. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's funny. It's it's very scientific. And, and, and not to say that obviously listeners are interested in marketing if they're listening to the show, but- even if the six that don't, they 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 kind of tune in, tune yeah. out. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll have seven now that I'm on the show. Wow. But, uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, I, um, no, but the, the, really, the truth is, it doesn't matter if you like marketing or not. Um, you, when you sit and you watch a, a show, and you then you become disconnected, we we all channel surf. We we all sit there because of content being just thrown in their face through Netflix and Prime and YouTube and and you know all the algorithms that that, that pop up to, that that they think they know what we want to watch and we do and so we click on it and then how many times do you watch three five seven minutes and you click off because immediately the people telling the story don't know my demographic know what I'm trying to watch what I'm looking for and again what happens over and over and over again in my world of entertainment in Hollywood New York is they don't take the demographic into consideration you get these creative people and you know the word show business the second word's <laughs> called business and uh, I have a, a kind of a nice mix of both, I'd like to think. I'm, I'm pretty creative. But without the business component, and marketing, of course, is a huge part of that business. But besides being fiscally responsible, it's understanding the business of, of marketing and, and who you're speaking to. So it, it's, it's near Adam Sandler point. Of, you, know, you and I and Darren, we're going to say, of, of course, of course, I'll take the 10% and 50 60% share of the 10%. But that doesn't mean that the, the mainstream in uh, Hollywood uh, have that conversation understand well, it. The last couple of weeks, we've talked a little bit about psychographics, and you hit something, and it's the creatives. And we, we see it, and we speak out against marketing at times. Uh, I'm curious in the entertainment side. But if you looked at the psychographics of the creative world, there is a definitely a group that's all about the purpose and the idea with no no care about what the audience thinks Those that's what drives our, that's friend, what, our friend benji that drives our, you know, me crazy yeah being that you I, it's funny i'd written down trip benji a, a mutual friend well we, we talked to benji yeah. right and you know benji's benji serves that independent audience that's that's who he serves but it's it's, 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 it's it, i don't want to say it's a small audience but it's, it's a it's a, a quick hit audience they're, they're not they're not a dedicated 
uh, group that you can go back to over and over again because what they attach themselves to is for a, a flash in the pan. So today I'm for the, the tree frog in Atlanta that's, that's being you know abused because we just built a highway and everything is tree frog, tree frog, tree frog. And, and so you know if it's not about tree frog, they don't give a rat's ass what the storyline is as long as a tree frog is being helped. Yay, yay, yay. And then guess what? In three weeks, what was there a tree frog? Yeah, and then, you know, so so they wonder yeah, why when they many, put, and how many people really cared about the tree frog? No shit, but they take yeah. up airways, they take up content. People, people uh, get in their bandwagon, and sadly, they do get some traction. It just doesn't last very long. Yeah, well, and it's, you know, we can get into things like uh, TikTok and viral in a little while too. But uh, you know, I think that's uh, Darren kind of had a point earlier, and it's unfortunately, you know. Uh, flash in the pan versus something that's consistent and you can build a campaign on. So when we come back uh, in a few minutes, uh, we're going to uh, to jump in a little bit about how do you develop that content? How do you develop, you know, maybe it's a series, but uh, for, for your, you know, clients, essentially the big companies, how do you really do that and do it well? So uh, you're listening to the Marketing Mad Men. We have uh, the Rand boys, Jeb and Darren today, and uh, we are on Extra 106.3 and we'll be right back now back to the marketing madmen on extra 1063 fm welcome back to the marketing madmen trip job here with uh, darren rand and his brother jeb rand and uh, we're having a fantastic discussion about content and we started to get into jeb works with some fantastic clients and some of the big names uh mgm and uh you know dolly parton and her properties and and many others and you know, last week we were talking about surprising with uh, Tug and Rhino. And one of the things we talked about is, you know, of the 66 ads, some of them were just horrible. Now, some of them had some, some follow-up, right, and some content, which we talked about a little bit. But some of them, you just got the sense of there was somebody who just pushed an idea and it was all about them pushing the idea. And I've got to believe you're in the entertainment business, Jeb, <laughs> um, dealing with the types of leaders that are out there or even maybe their advertisers. Talk about how you deal with that. And, um, you know, you just get this idea that, oh, my God, this is going to flop. There's no credibility to it. There's no background data, <laughs> et cetera. I mean, I'm just curious what you deal with. Well, you, you just said it much more eloquently <laughs> than I did, and uh, uh, but no, that, you just wound him up. <laughs> no, no, I, yeah, no, I, and I can't use profanity on your show, so I, I won't. But uh, no, it, the, the reality is, um, the guys who are doing the hiring and and they have an not an agenda, but they have a vision. Let's let's say that, and their vision um, may not be congruent with the medium in which you're going to bring that vision to life. Like if they want to do a nature scene with squirrels and. And, and deer and everyone's happy-go-lucky and then they want to shove it on ice and then they want to shove it on a downhill you know, ski slope at 47 miles an hour. Well, I don't know how squirrels and reindeer are going to you know, play, <laughs> but they're going to sit there and say, well, by God, I want that squirrel to be doing triple axles. Yeah, but you want to talk about nature, I thought, and, 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 and preserving the trees. And well, I don't care, but if they go 112 miles an hour down, I see it. The 112 miles an hour down that hill, that's going to be great. People are going to be engaged because they're going to see the POV, the point of view of that squirrel going down. I was like, yeah, but I'm only talking about you, you hired me to grow this show about nature. And yet, in their mind, because now the Olympics is going on, they want the squirrel to be doing triple, triple axles and the reindeer to be going down the luge. <laughs> and, and, and then they look at me and they say, well, wait, we didn't, we didn't, or rate, or we didn't rate well. It's, it's your fault, Jeb. We didn't rate well. And, and so, yes, it happens, and you have to draw a line between uh, they pay your mortgage, um, uh, they, they, they keep your bills paid, the lights on, and not selling your soul to the devil. Um, you want to create good content. What you do along the way is you try to 
really through storyboards, through bringing experts in, um, try to basically, how do I put this politely, um, say you're wrong <laughs> without saying that. And then uh, no, and the other thing you try to do is you try to take their idea, and this is really why I've been successful for the last 20 years, is um, you take their idea and you let them feel like um, their idea is evolving right. and, and, and becoming better because of their wonderful idea. And then ultimately you say no to them in, by saying yes. Here's the, here's the difference in the two brothers, folks. See, Jeb will play. The funny thing is we're marketers, right, yeah. you and I, and he's the entertainer. What I tell people a lot of times over on the weekends, step away from the ledge. And I'll do that in a meeting. You know me. I will do that. The difference is Jeb will go, oh, that's the greatest idea uh, on the planet. We're going to make it work. And then the next thing you know is there's something different. I, but that's the entertainment. Uh, I don't know. I, I think what I, where I thought I was going to go, which was going to be a real – his honesty didn't come out. I, he's going to throw them off the ledge because when he gets pissed, yeah. he tells them what he thinks. So, you know, <laughs> well, marketing – you know, and I've had good friends and, and clients that uh, tell me when they start throwing things out and they hear me sigh, they go – Okay, it's not a good idea, is it? Because no. that's my, I kind of like sit back and go, you know, figure out how I'm going to politely tell them. Yeah, let me give you, and this again, and, and I lived in Japan for almost two years, and uh, I, I have a wonderful love for the Japanese culture, uh, their entertainment, how they go about things. Um, and, and the interesting thing for me, um, from a language and from a cultural standpoint, there is a word for no, N-O, in Japanese, but it's very rarely used. So I, I learned from my time there that if I said, hey, Trip, uh, do you want to go to dinner with me tonight? And you would say, yes, I don't. I'm, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, what? You did, what, you, I, what was are you going to dinner or are you not? Because you said yes, but then I don't. So I approach uh, bad ideas in the same way. Hey, Jeb, do you like the idea of squirrels and, and reindeer uh, skating and going down you know, luge? Trip, that is an amazing idea that we're not going to do. And yeah. so the thing you hear first is amazing, great idea. And then and, and so... I, I just smile basically and tell them uh, no, and um, but but in a little more eloquent way perhaps than Darren. And, and again, you guys live a more, little more eloquent, a lot more eloquent. Uh, I want to. So let me ask you. So let, yeah. when you get in the room and let's say you guys are reading scripts and so forth, now I'm getting to the Peter principle. So now we have the two Rain yeah. boys, and again, you can hear, folks, for the six or ten of you that are listening, you know my my patience level is. It went to ten. Wait, what, what happened? Went to ten. <laughs> I guess Darren's daughter's friend came into the room. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, so you get, but the Peter principle is alive and well in every industry. You're in a, you're in a room, scripts out there, working session. Does everyone just kind of go, oh my goodness, it's X, Y, Z, you know, um, uh, director or producer. I've got to say yes. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. How many people are willing to, to, to step out and, and, and actually go, hey, this sucks or whatever? Well, you're talking about in any industry and especially um, and especially with this pandemic time, you know, the way business and, and jobs are, um, people act and react differently. Um, most most middle level executives, which is who I deal with, um, and even higher at the C suite executives, there is equally as concerned with just maintaining the status quo to protect their ass, their job, you know, their livelihood. And so by 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 having that mentality when they walk into the room, the last thing they want to do is jeopardize that. The second to the last thing they want to do is work harder. So when I when I walk into with a concept and I'm asking them to a put their ass on the line because guys you're wrong you, you I, I can make your theme park get more tickets sold I can make people tune in to your television network more by by pressing the envelope not pressing it but just delivering it fresh new more direct content uh, but the a status quo comes back 
And B, in order to do what I'm asking them to do, is going to take effort. It's going to take uh, – so there are not a whole lot of people on the client side that have much interest in doing anything different. Um, luckily, um, and while I like to um, kind of dog and put down the millennial generation and the snowflakes out there, uh, there are the ones that are so about um, – they're progressive, not in a, in a political way. They're progressive in the way – let's look at this differently. You know, Jeb's ideas are interesting. And, and right now I've got a couple of shows, as you know, Darren um, – being pitched out in LA and um, the ones where we're getting some traction, some interest in putting these things um, on the air and, and is um, coming from executives who are in the late twenties and thirties who are, you know, saying, wow, you know what, this is a pretty interesting way to tell a story that was told, you know, many times before. Right. So there is hope out there, but um, it's, it's um, a lot more uh, people want to um, want to uh, just keep the status quo and take the easy road than to try to fix a problem. It's the band-aid approach. I think that's a perfect segue into a conversation going on with the Olympics right now. Um, you know, having Jeb here and all the, the – I mean, we're talking about in-depth knowledge of what's going on with skating and so forth. And I've got to imagine the NBC executives and the, the whole committee is, are having to really figure out, to your point, how do, how do you deal with this? Because no one wants to put their rear end on the line. Are you, are you, are you speaking about the Russian girl? Um, all the above. Well, you know, and again, um, well, figure skating particularly is not only a sport; it's also an entertainment genre. So it um, it's it's more it's different than say downhill skiing. You're not going to go watch a downhill skiing event and uh, take your kids to that, like like skating. So um, the 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 challenge is with figure skating as it always has been back before Nancy Kerrigan Tanya Harding is they have a image and a brand that they want to hold and it's a very conservative sort of um, um, world that you live in and if you want to do anything outside of their sort of agenda uh, it's no different than um, a Republican uh, having a, a liberal idea inside the Republican Party it's going to be squashed and you're not going to last very long in the, uh, the Republican Party so if you have an idea. Um, no matter how far left or right it may be in figure skating, if it doesn't say uh, speak to their agenda, um, you can you're not, you're not going to be there very long. So right now, and then, then when you add that component of figure skating, uh, you have two other components to deal with, and it makes it really challenging. One is the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, and their agenda. And I don't mean to say agenda, but let's just say their 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 rules and their their uh, you know what what's allowed, not allowed right. in the Olympic world. And then the bigger player here is NBC. And again, not getting into a political debate, but they certainly have their agenda. and what They have influence. influence big influence. Big influence. Yeah, and, and certainly what they don't want is a tidal wave of opinion that's against their their way of life. So um, the, the thing with the, the girl is what's being said behind the scenes, and this is the case in, in, in every, everywhere. Uh, I just actually got a text last night from a friend of mine and uh, who's there in Beijing, and right in with this and the IOC president met with the uh, figure skating group of this team um, uh, last night actually our time and met with them for two and a half hours to basically kind of calm down the the craziness but basically so they quit talking they wouldn't talk about what they really felt while they're trying to figure out how, how the best way to deal with it and it's it's a bad situation because no one's got the the kahunas to say what they want to say or do what they need to do and uh, again, it, it goes back to when you sit in that room with the people with the script there, and yeah. you were just saying, no one's got the kahunas to make the tough decision. Here's the problem with, with marketing and everything today. You know, we've talked about this. The, the social, the, all, the, 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 all the Internet will blow up if they say the wrong thing. And then you'll get barbecued. I mean, 
the, so now you have, instead of any kind of open conversation about anything, people are, people are petrified. Yeah. I mean, that's what I, when I, when you and I talk about what's going on in, I mean, look at the, let's go to James well, Bond, the new James Bond, right? I, m- my guess is they are putting all this stuff mm-hmm. out there to, to really try to, to do their own version of, uh, of research to find out what's going to stick and what's going to really alienate their core James Bond audience, because otherwise they would have already picked somebody. Yeah, you know, and I think the easiest way to mediocrity, whether it's the new James Bond, whether it's, you know, the the IOC and the Olympics uh, committee, is to take the easy way out. And I see it all the time. Actually, you know, I'll bring it down to one of our clients um, that does a lot of work uh, here in town with golf courses, all right? But they want to build a few more. And the easy way out is they have all the names and they can go out and do a, you know, some type of mailing to all the golf course superintendents to do work on their lakes and their fountains and and everything. Um, That's the easy way out. And most firms would just say, yep, go ahead and do it. But that's mediocre. You're, You're just, you know, peanut buttering the whole audience. Well, what we looked in and dug into is the fact that where they've gotten clients today, where they've been successful, doesn't matter if they're private or public. But it's properties that uh, are probably a single property. They're not part of a chain. They don't have two courses where they have more maintenance staff. They have at least two lakes, more likely three. They have two or more fountains. So then it becomes a resource issue with their own staff. So all of a sudden, instead of the easy way of just peanut buttering it out, we're going – Guess what? Here's about 12 properties in Atlanta that, that you that really you have the chance to be successful. Is has has in your world uh mm-hmm. again I never watched Game of Thrones. I've actually never watched Walking Dead and I've never watched what's the other one that's that's uh, here? Uh Ozark. Ozark, yeah. 3 of them. I Sorry, got two folks. of the 3 ain't bad, right? I, I, a meatloaf reference to never so. watched any of them. But um so uh, it has the has the ability to produce these sorts of things. I mean um, and and, they, and they, this is what they've stuck with it, right? There's nothing political. These guys have said we're going here. Is that is that giving people like you and the industry channels? And then they, it's a matter of finding someone who's willing to test it. Nobody knew whether those things were going to work. Well, but the, okay. So the answer to your first question, what, one thing, and to Trip's point, um, those are far from mediocrity. Those are far from. These guys didn't um, do anything but take bold steps. So these, these, these yeah. are not yeah. these are not the trip these are not the trip guys that that he was just describing, right? Yep. So, um, but again, first of all, when you're talking about Ozark and the kind of money that's that's backed behind that, um, when you have that kind of money and that sort of backing and that sort of staff, um, they kind of have the you know what um, money that they can be bold. Fu money, yeah, yeah. Like fu money. Um, uh, that's, that's Darren's education talking there that he can't use words, so he just just yeah. just, just leathers or is good. So anyway, but uh, yeah, so they have that uh, fu money, and um, but they um, when you have fu money, you can be bold and you can take chances, and uh, that's how you move the needle. Mediocrity moves a needle exactly. Let me think. Never. Yeah. So uh, thank what God. Is it, what is for for folks out there? What when a bold new series sort of thing? Is it they're gonna they they is it a million bucks to get it off the ground? Is it ten million? Uh, it depends it, what, what meeting we're talking about. It depends. About. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like uh, Ricky Gervais to me is bold. All right, some of the stuff he does doesn't take a lot of money because of the way he produces it and it's but he smaller. Also has a, he also has a brand though. So so, right. so before he had this brand, but you know it's about getting traction. And can, I use words that their marketing works. I'd probably use them incorrectly, but I can um, guarantee you know, he does. But but we um, you know I I think about traction. I think about so when you're Ricky Gervais. 
Um, and um, you know, it's like the, the the costume malfunction with Janet Jackson. Her 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 her, sort of popu- <laughs> her popularity was going down, or her 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 TVQ, as we say in my business, uh, his her Q rate rating is going down. And it's amazing that you know you share your little <laughs> TV by accident, and then all of a sudden everyone's talking about you again, and, and all of a sudden you're you're trending, right? Yeah. And uh, so it, it, it's it's really about net results, and what's it going to take to get those net results? And then for me. Uh, in my world, if I'm working um, for the folks that uh, work with Dolly Parton or, or I'm writing content for SeaWorld or, or for uh, you know MGM property, um, I have to be careful because in my mind's eye, if I do something that's not well-received in a way that I'm purposefully doing, I have to be careful because they'll, they'll fire me. I mean, I have to be careful what I say, how I position content because I represent them. If, I, if, I'm, if, I'm, at, if I'm at a theme park uh, at SeaWorld and I produce something that's got uh, off-color content – then I won't have a job. They're going to have to deal with the cancel culture, the woke culture. But and how does bad. someone like Family Guy and these guys still get away with it? Well, again, now Seth I mean, they are, well, I mean, he's they got, are. well, he's got a few money, you know. And again, again, so he can press the envelope, and it's also produced under his name, his heading, and and uh, you know, there are any number of outlets that would love for him to get fired from Fox because they would pick that up in two seconds. But um, you know, again, to your point, it's. Um, Ozark and some of the Walking Dead. The Walking Dead didn't start like that. They didn't have huge funding, but that's what I'm getting. But yeah. they, they had network. But listen, if you think some of that stuff happens by accident, there there is lightning in a bottle. And when you capture lightning in the bottle, by, by God, you better, you know, know you did and then replicate it. But most of the time, it's it's money, it's team, it's being bold, having interesting mm-hmm. goals, and, and knowing exactly what you're doing. It's not my happenstance. But what by happenstance is with Tiger King on HBO. You know, the guy dies or gets killed. I mean, that's unfortunately a very sad situation, but that's a different type of lightning that bother. But but they were already on HBO. They were already had a very interesting, bold show going on, and then more <laughs> happened that made it even that much more interesting. So, uh, And the know. other one is sometimes if, if you're, um, you know, you've got that creative, you've got that idea, and you're being bold is, Darren loves to talk about this, going where others are not, all right? And some of them, whether they went through an Amazon Prime or a Netflix, and the one I'm going to bring up, is you know Ryan Reynolds and a lot of the quote the ads and the commercials that he's created never hit the broadcast airwaves. They were you know sold through the internet. They were pushed out and uh, you know so, some of them hit, some of them don't. But he's created this viral um, you know view. Whether it was uh, the um, was it last year was uh, with the uh, liquor. You know, and it never, ever hit the airwaves, but it got all this type of uh, attention and engagement for him. And um, uh, was it David Beckham and uh, P. Diddy? Right. Well, the interesting thing in my world, uh, if you're talking, you know, we used to say television. Uh-huh. Right? We say television, we say movies. But nowadays it's called content mm-hmm. because content is delivered in 2022. I mean, we're all old enough here to remember three stations here in Atlanta. And um and Darren remembers uh, black and white TV, but I certainly don't. But um, anyway, um, so when Darren was riding his horse and to, to the to the uh, farm, um, no. But what happens is I got um, thrown off too. Yeah, yeah. bucked. Yeah. yeah. So no, and, but 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 until until really the um, advent of the internet is it was a pay. You know, it was it was a, it was a fee to pay. You you had to pay a fee and a hefty fee to put content. And there was only three hours of primetime content on three stations. So. It, but your audience was, was much bigger, right, because you, you only had three stations to watch. But what happened with the Internet and then with guys like Reynolds and all these guys, any Tom, Dick, or Harry can create content and put it out there through YouTube and TikTok and everything, and they get traction. And there's no fee for them to, to play, meaning what Reynolds creates, now he creates some high-level, really cool shit, but Dollar Shave Club, when they made that first yep. commercial, cost them probably, 
I'm going to say $2.95. They probably got $0.60 cents back in, in refunds. And the traction they got, so you can create a they thousand. They did that for people who don't know and what Jeff summoned. It, it would be like, well, he's helping us. Yeah. <laughs> so I shouldn't bring yeah. this up because, folks, he's helping me with a lot of yeah. things right now. And we're getting the brother deal. But, no, that, that the Dollar Shave Club deal was done with his buddies. Yeah. I mean, it, it, was still, it was still cost. But it was, but, a, but, but it was here's my way point. less because these everyone went in and goes, let's go do this. But let me give you a point, and let's go to the big blockbuster movies. Be easier for um, the seven people. Oh, six. I think your yeah. daughter's friend just left. Um, so um, um, anyway, I think um, if you think about Steven Spielberg, his model. So Steven Spielberg, um, when he created E.T., has you know it's expensive to create a movie. And so the amount of money it would take just to get E.T., the amount of time it, takes, it took to get E.T. done – was incredible. Nowadays, a, a Steven Spielberg who's say thirty years old, with um, you know friends as you're talking about and, and favors, you could build six ETs, eight ETs, ten yeah. ETs for one twelfth, one fiftieth of money. Put them all out there, and if one of them hits, you could create something that's just as big, just as popular as ET. But you literally had imagine fishing one big rod in the water with a big big chunk of bait, or twenty rods in the water with different sized baits at different depths. Which one is more likely to be quote unquote successful? And it's the loudest. So to your point, Trip. I mean, it's you know the, the fee to play nowadays is um, is almost nil. And and then when you do have money and and a brand like Reynolds' name, and he's also a freaking talent. I'm I'm a big fan of how he does things. Uh, you know, I'm not surprised he's successful. But we're seeing the ones that are successful. How many? And I don't know this. How many has he created that aren't successful or didn't make air or didn't we didn't get Great. traction? We don't see those. But maybe for every one that's successful, maybe forty or not. But you know what? To to produce forty one of these. Cost still a fraction of what it cost twenty years ago. That's yeah. what's that's what's incredible now is we're talking about this the the veil the client you know, and you know we, we're talking about one of the folks that works with my brother is in here as well, and we're getting ready to shoot this series and we're going to tease it yeah. first, and the fact that you can shoot this first one on an iPhone thirteen, if if we needed to we're not we're going to shoot it with all kinds of big pro cameras, it's like holy smokes, it it, it is. This is, but you know me with numbers, and he gives me crud about numbers, even though I will not play poker with him. Oh, by the way, I do. I guess I owe you 50 cents. It's a dollar now. It's a dollar. Oh, it's a dollar. dollar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I owe, yeah. You know. um, so, but the, the, the reality of being able to put stuff out there, what, they, what people don't understand is you still have to market it. Did you do the SEO necessary? So let's call it, he's getting ready to, the, the, do, to launch a show with about, uh, um, uh, whatchamacallit, Sherlock Holmes. They're getting and so the SEO and the search and all these other things, so that once you get it going, you prime the pump. In the old days, you couldn't prime the pump. Now you can prime the pump. Right? No, you, you know, just to self-promote, uh, uh, thank you. I guess Darren wants that dollar back. But um, uh, my writing partner and I uh, wrote uh, a new off-Broadway show called uh, Holmes Comedy is Elementary. And so what it cost us to uh, write this, it does take some talent. I mean, you know, I do... There's, Between, there's the, the talent is not on the on the microphone right now. It's yeah. sitting over here on the sofa. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. So the point is, <laughs> with, with the talent, um, is we we were able to write a show, and if we were going to do this seriously twenty years ago, yeah, that's what I, uh, you know, it would the, the the fee to play would have been would have been I, we wouldn't have invested our, our time and money because the odds of success are so so small. But nowadays we picked a brand. We picked a public domain brand. I mean, so it was, again, I don't want to get into the whole show, but uh, if you do go to homescomedy.com, you can uh, check it out. But uh, we'll be on, we're doing a national tour starting uh, here in May. 
And um, what's really um, brilliant on on um, my partners and my uh, thoughts, we approach this with the business word first and show second. It's a great show. It's funny as hell. You'll really enjoy it. But we took a brand, Holmes. Everyone's yep. got a connotation of what Holmes is. And uh, we wrapped it up in a really fun, relevant storyline. We know who our demographics are. It's, it's, it's a PG-rated, you know, middle-class America uh, fun sort of show. And uh, so by, by knowing that... Um, uh, we're speaking to them. Uh, we have a brand that's well known. Uh, we're, the way we're marketing it, again, how much it's going to cost to market it. And, and we'll um, we'll dive into that a little bit. And also, want to get your thoughts on my view about content and some things that are the kind of the watchouts for people when we come back from the break. So um, you are listening to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra One Hundred Six Point Three, and we'll be right back. Now back to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra One Hundred Six Three FM. Welcome back to the Marketing Mad Men. Trip Job and Darren Rand joined uh, by Jeb Rand today. Um, coming to you from Extra 106.3. And uh, we were talking a little bit about um, a new off-Broadway play that Jeb uh, is putting together called Holmes. And, uh, you know, I want to get into that. But also when you talked about content and content is easier to produce nowadays and um, you, know, you don't have some of the uh, barriers that we had 15 to 20 years ago. Now, what you're dealing with is major, major content. One of the things we sometimes deal with and I, I find is a struggle with uh, clients that are looking at marketing is they get an idea and they want to shoot it out there and that's they want to start it, but they haven't developed anything behind it. So there's not a series, there's not a plan, and I'm like, stop. Unless I my classic is I want six headlines or titles, I want three bullet point skeletons and the first one written. You know, if you can't do that, don't start, you know, and we're, you know, I'm talking about marketing content and things like that, because guess what? That one idea, if you haven't done anything beyond it, it's probably just going to go out there and flutter and nothing's going to come you behind it. Talk about it. how you just described the waypoints of what we're working on right, right. now. It's kind well, of a really cool thing. But to comment quickly on, on something Trip just said, um, what we said in the last segment, I think it's really important um, to point out. There is good and bad with the the fee to play model being gone. Meaning, there's no big fee to play anymore. You know, you can take any mm-hmm. phone and and record content and actually have a show, have have a brand building brand on any number of platforms. So the good news is, for talented folks out there that have those those plans and have those six lines of yep. headlines, that's really great news because they can do that. So these young talented people don't have to play by the rules back in the 1970s, 80s, and 90s. That's the good news. The bad news is mm-hmm. every common idiot that doesn't have a plan, every and I'm sorry to be judgmental, but when I say idiot, I don't mean in personal. I mean in a business mm-hmm. business sense, the marketing sense, they can be an idiot and still be a great person. There are plenty of billionaires out there. I can talk to you about that point. But uh, anyway, what happens is they can go out there, and so let's just say out of 100 ideas, concepts, we're talking about 100 concepts, uh, three of them are really quite formidable. Three of them are really well thought out. They are their stories. They have you know, beginning, middle, and great arcs. They have a great plan on how they're going to market them. There are three. But the problem is the 97 on the airways, if that's through you know, uh, uh, an app or through right. YouTube, that they have well, downright shitty plans or no plans at all. And so They what, water down the entire thing. Well, and so what happens for the three to, to rise to the top, you've got to, you know, Get get enough traction and be even that much bolder, that much better. So where you say you have to have six headlines, 
I think, unless you have to have 12 or 18, because you've got to get people to look at you opposed to, you know, someone's got a great idea. It sounds great. You tune in, you watch it, and you get out that, again, I said before in that first segment, you get three, four, five minutes into it, but you've, you've dedicated that time that, that, you know what they're not doing? They're not watching the good one. They're watching the shitty one, the bad one. And uh, unfortunately, that's, um, that's part of it. So you, the, the, again, just to reiterate, the, the fact that content can be created so affordably uh, is, a, is a blessing and a curse. It's, it's, yeah. it's literally a double-edged sword. You talk about, you know, we've talked about. So in an, in a in a down economy, one of the first things people will cut it's is marketing. marketing. Yes, right. Yeah. yeah. Stupid. I hear. Well, here's one thing. Real one, one last thing, and it's a very important point to notice, especially where entertainment comes into marketing. The best years, the best two years on Broadway's history, the best two years were during the Great Depression. Yep. So people always want to be entertained, no matter how bad life is. Escapism. Even if you like horror movies, that's a type of escapism, right? You you want to be entertained. You want to escape your reality and be entertained. So good or bad economy doesn't matter. And quite frankly, when things are really bad is when you really need to escape. And that's when so when, when the economy is bad is when people should actually be pouring money into their brand. So not right. taking well, so that, that and the other one is pricing. So I don't know if you saw right after the Super Bowl, Pepsi's CEO came out, and we talked about pricing uh, here a few weeks ago, and said – Price increases are are necessary, but the key is marketing and the brand work and the money we spend on brand helps us justify pricing in an inflationary market. And really said, you know, if people cut back on marketing because prices are going up, and this is the wrong yeah, thing point. to do, it helps establish your brand when you have to raise your price. So, you know, when you and I have talked to Benji about this, and he uh, saw Benji. So, you know, he said, you know how you know you got a bad movie? When they're pumping so much marketing, yeah. they're scared crudless to make sure some people go. My point, though, is is that – so back to Jeb, your point earlier. If you got got 100 ideas, you still – let's say it's classic 80-20. 20% of those ideas do have some marketing behind them, right? They have a budget. They have, and But the bottom line, unfortunately, right now is good, bad, or indifferent. If you have the shekels, the money to to invest in marketing, you can you can dominate a market. So you may be you may be in that group that's that's really good, but nobody hears you because there's somebody in your same genre that stinks. They are well, watering well, it down yeah. so badly and, with, with and and they're able to they're they are able to just outvoice everybody else. But right. to, but to, but the trip's point before though, um, that that will be what we call mediocrity. And and so you can buy mediocrity, but it doesn't sustain. Yeah. And the reason I say it's mediocrity is because it doesn't sustain. So you have if you do have enough money to pay yeah. that fee, we can get traction. Get but but that traction will not last. So right. but the challenge is for those who have good marketing plans that don't have the shekels is they have to compete against those shekels because we're, you know, and so that's the challenge. So money, and money, it's will, full circle. It goes back to it, it, segmenting, and I think of Ross RV and the old, the classic example of a lot of big money thrown into a total market. And what Darren and the team did was say, "Wait a second, let's don't compete with that. Let's go to the niche market we know we can own with sure. the money available and have a plan toward that." And guess what? You grew a, a bigger base. I wonder. You know, I've, I've, one, we we haven't really talked about this, but you watch about you know movie concept will come out, and there's all when Wyatt Earp came out with with Tombstone, right? And I mean, it just seems to well. Be your I, industry. What, what I thought what I thought you were going to say, I thought where, where Trip was going to go. Um, we know this now because of the internet, because they they kind of tease you is you can start with a niche market, 
but they're real brilliant. I mean, I, I'm sorry to self-promote. I can always talk about my what I've done myself. Um, is so with something very silly like Holmes, this this mm-hmm. new off-Broadway uh, national tour we're, we're going to do. Um, we have three follow-up shows. It's already got three shows after it. Cool. So while we have a niche market to start. The, the marketing, the business plan is much bigger because otherwise you, you're playing a niche market. If you're just selling, you know, bakery goods in a corner store in your hometown because everyone knows you and that's really great stuff and that's as big as you, is that, that's where your mind is set, then that, that's what you're going to do. And then you'll be sitting there in five years saying, well, why am I still in my main street just doing, because that's what your plan was. You didn't have right. a plan. So, but if your plan is when this works and it works on the corner of main street, it'll work on every corner of main street USA, but you have to, from the beginning, have that plan, but also know how to execute you, the plan. You gain your audience, and then you expand. Exactly. Product yeah. line expansion. We talk about show business, and we talk about it's the marketing business. Yeah. yeah. When we and talk to people, it, it, the very first thing we talk about is what is your business plan? Right. What's just and then develop the strategy. What are you trying to accomplish? You know, get that roadmap. Understand your audience. Um, build the content, and, and then, then try, execute and, the plan. And, and, but you know, execution is a big part. But then. Going back to again, and, and the three of us and everyone um, uh, knows this is uh, is being able to head off all the pulls, the negative pulls, the the client that doesn't that wants to continually put in their two cents, or the you know the scenic person that wants to win an Academy Award, but it doesn't mean we need that sort of scenic. So it's sticking to that plan, and uh, and also being able to listen to Bill Belichick's and the the big uh, most famous coaches aren't famous because they just win Super Bowls. They're famous because they know how to. I hate to use the word pivot, but they they have a game plan, but they know how to adjust. They know how to stick to a plan. They know what the, the end game is going to be. No, that, that's a wonderful way to do it, and they've thought about scenario plans, which is another topic we can go into for days. So this has been fantastic. Uh, actually, uh, survived having double trouble <laughs> with the Rand boys. And uh, where, where, where do I get my check? Who, yeah, who's giving me the well, check? Well, that's from Darren. You can uh, make sure wow. that uh, he pays you. So um, this has been fantastic, uh, Jeb. But uh, good to see you. Can't wait to see Holmes when it comes out, and hopefully comes to Atlanta. And uh, so uh, thanks so much. You've been listening to Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3.